Hey guys, welcome to the You Make the Scene podcast. My name is Josh. This is episode number 40. This week on the episode, I've got a great conversation with the band Idle Threat from Nashville, Tennessee, um, recently signed to Tooth and Nail Records, and it was an awesome conversation. I got to link up with them on Zoom and um, talk to the, the guys about the new EP that they're getting ready to drop. Um, we talked about kind of how they got started in the music industry. Uh, we also talked about a little like festival that they run called Threat Fest. Uh, we also talked about a uh, favorite TV show and who they would uh, want to jump in and and be the character of. Um, so yeah, it was it was an awesome talk. I really enjoyed the the conversation with the guys. They have a new EP coming out, like I said, and that is coming out on August the 20th, uh, and that is called Nothing is Broken for Good. Um, it's a great EP. I've already heard several of the, the songs off of it. Um, you guys are in for a treat, if you, especially if you like kind of pop punk, uh, punk, post-hardcore-ish um, music, you know, Tooth and Nail's known for uh, bands like Under Oath and Emery and so many others, um, and Idle Threat is is really got the potential to get up there and, and be one of those names as well. Um, so yeah, for now though, let's jump into my conversation with the guys from Idle Threat. Uh, again, I was able to, to sit down and talk with them about a ton of different things, and I really hope you guys enjoy this conversation. I know I did. Uh, they also made Weekend Waves, so make sure you go follow that playlist of ours on Spotify. Um, but again, here's our conversation with Idle Threat. So, um, I do start off with, just because it's the easiest question to start an interview off with, uh, we'll kick off with your name and what you do in the band, and maybe just a little bit of background on yourselves. Sure. Uh, my name is Ernie Fabian. I am a guitar player and uh, do the screaming in the band. Um, um, I'm Zeke McKinney. Uh, I play bass and I sing. Um, in Idle Threat, and uh, I don't know. I, I am 25. Ernie's 26. Yep. I don't know. What else? What else you want to know for background? <laughs> Honestly, that's pretty good. Um, let's talk about maybe a little bit on kind of how you guys got started um, in music. What what kind of brought you to want to play um, post hardcore, revival punk, whatever you want to call it at, at this moment in time? Sure. Revival Punk. I haven't heard that one yet. Yeah. That's cool. So, yeah, we'll take it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so I'm from Nashville. Uh, sort of uh, grew up about 20 minutes south uh, in a little town called Smyrna. Mm -hmm. Not known for much. Uh, and uh, just sort of wasn't really into, like, alternative music really not even into rock for a, a really long time until I hit like middle school. Right. Uh, and I had a friend of mine who, uh, his name was Blake and he, I just thought he was a cool guy and he was super, um, he was older, you know, when you're in middle school, like that's a big deal. Right. To, to come from someone who's older and 
he's only like a year older, but he was, uh, yeah, just a good friend of mine, and he showed me uh, just a, a couple bands that were, just, I mean, they were really taking off at the time, and uh, it was, I didn't really like it at first, you know, stuff that had screaming in it was um, unlistenable to me at first, and, and I, I wasn't into it at all, um, but I just kind of stuck with it, and uh, it eventually became something that I like grew to love and um, then from there that's when like it sparked interest and in, like okay well I'd like to actually learn an instrument right so I started playing guitar uh, in seventh grade um, around that time I was all I mean I only picked up the guitar to like learn you know undergrowth riffs and things like that and uh, and I would I also had a karaoke machine in my room and I would practice screaming uh, to Plagues by the worst product. Just put on a whole album. Just you know, there's no words or anything, and right. I just scream really poorly. And my mm. friends were really annoyed by that. But um, at some point, it just kind of clicked, and I was doing it better and better and practicing. And that's kind of my entryway into all that. It's a quick spiel, but yeah, awesome. Yeah, uh, for me, I uh, like I said, I was I was born in Evansville, Indiana. Um, all my family's from up there but we moved down to nashville tennessee when i was five because my dad uh was in a band that got a record deal and so we moved down to nashville where the, where the record label was based and we've been here ever since and so my dad's been a musician my whole life and so i've always been around music but it honestly was not a passion of mine until like middle school um it didn't it just didn't like dig roots or it didn't like click with me until middle school right. before that before music my whole life was basketball i wanted i wanted to be in the nba i wanted to be just like steve nash <laughs> um but slowly but surely around middle school as everyone started growing at a faster rate than me uh it just became clear that basketball was not in the cards for my future and so that's not the reason why I stopped, or I kept playing basketball. That's not the reason why my focus shifted. But the re what happened was, uh, my brother and I, we took piano lessons all growing up, um, but the piano lessons never stuck with me. But they did stick with him. He still plays piano. Oh. Um, and him and some of our friends decided to start a band for the talent show in eighth grade. We played How to Save a Life by the Fray. <laughs> and uh, and uh, they, they had a, a guitar player, a piano player, a drummer, but they didn't have a bass player. And my brother was like, hey, I got a brother. And uh, that's how it started. Uh, I started playing bass through that, and uh, I just fell in love with it after that. And uh, just started playing, playing bass a lot, uh, singing a lot more, becoming a lot more interested in music and then shortly after that my uncle which my uncle's only like four years older than me um so it's not like like 20 year to right. difference right at like you yeah. saw um he's like up here almost um but when i was around that age my uncle showed me mayday parade and that was the uh that was the gateway for me as mayday parade it started light and then just kept getting heavier from there yeah but made it when i was 13 was the that's how it started you know they've got that hopeless romantic thing so uh <laughs> oh, dude, that was yeah. everything in middle school oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I just played it so much oh, yeah dude yeah every song yeah. that they wrote just yeah. like 
<laughs> yeah, and like even now, like talk about a band that has longevity, right? Like even now, twenty yeah. years later or whatever it's been for them, they're still just putting out hit after hit. Yeah, they're still doing it. Yeah, crazy. Yeah, so um, that's really cool. Uh, I think that's moderately common, at least in in my experience. The the middle age does seem to be when people a lot of times have that shift of. Okay, music is, you know, a little more, I, I think what it is is it becomes more relatable at that point, right? Like, when yeah. you're a kid, you're just listening to whatever your parents listen to and all that. And then middle school, you start to gain your own identity, start to, you know, figure out what your musical tastes are and what you actually relate to. You know, there's always that little bit of, like, teenage angst, you know, like Devil Wears yeah. Prada and stuff like that. Obviously, it's it's the angry side of it, being a teen. Um, but there's there's something real about it at that moment. You know, it, it becomes a more um, organic growth point, I think. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you guys have been uh, pretty busy over the last few months at least, um, working on the new EP and, and things like that. Um, obviously COVID fucked everything up for everybody. So, uh, <laughs> you know, tours and stuff like that had to take a backseat, but let's talk a little bit about the, the new EP. Uh, this episode will go live, uh, I believe like three or four days before the EP drops. So, um, we'll be able to give fans a little bit of kind of a preview of what the, to expect on it. Um, but let's talk about just kind of the, the writing process for it. Um, you guys have been touring pretty heavily before getting into the, the writing and recording of this. How did that transition work for you guys and kind of just what was your mindset going in? Well, I think, Sorry. yeah, so uh, <clears throat> really our mindset shifted from we've been like touring on the same record it's called grown tired for like five years um about about four years yeah. um and uh it was never the plan to, to wait that long to write another a follow-up to it uh, but that record specifically was about uh just like you know doubt um frustrations with church with god uh with ourselves um a lot of apathy and things like that and so it was a it, it's a darker sounding record record or ep um lyrically for every way possible like it was just like we did what we needed to do on that record to get that out right um and so we toured on it for a long time and some some years were a lot busier than others um and did a lot of fests um at that time and, and then when we sort of changed gears to start writing again, which we'd always been writing. Mm -hmm. uh, it was just like finding pieces to, you know, put together. And uh, we're just really bad at writing music when we are so active on the road. Like some bands, I yeah. mean, they can be on the road all the time and still write a record. And I don't get it. Like, that's just not us. <laughs> so we, yeah, we just finally had some time at home. We were starting to slow down. Um, and we started meeting together regularly again to write for this one. Um, but this time, like our mindset was a lot different. We're not quite in that apathy, uh, you know, desolate, like everything is, is, is pointless type mentality anymore. And we're kind of on the opposite side of the spectrum where like, you know, like things are really, really shitty sometimes, but like 
everything is only but a second, you know, in the grand scheme of, of, of life. And then you take that even a step further with eternity. And it's like, you know, what I'm going through right now, uh, it's not going to last forever. The things that, you know, talking about middle school, like the stuff that was like on my heart in middle school, thank God it's, it only lasted like probably like a week, you know, right, right. with the man that we had back then. So we just were, we moved into a, a a mindset of, of hope and um, and gratefulness and uh, one of the songs that you'll hear uh, when it, when it drops is about being grateful uh, just in general but you know specifically for the fact that like you know life does go on even the good times and the bad times like stuff moves yeah. forward so uh, yeah I don't know it was just we were just able to to really like. And I think with that also, like the sound of the songs, sonically, lyrically, again, more positive than the grown tired. I kind of like having them next to each other because it really pinpoints like where we were as people. Yeah, kind of showcases that growth process for you. Yeah, yeah. This, yeah, this EP, the the process of making this EP, the word you just use is great. Growth is is defined it for sure. It's had a lot of trials. Um, with writing it and recording it and just having to be patient for things to work out. Um, but if I, if, if I would have known how pertinent all the songs that we wrote back then would be to what we're going through today, I would have, I would have I never believed it if I could peer into the future and see. Right. But man, just the, yeah, it's just crazy how it all worked out. I got worked it out. Man. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so for people that somehow won't know by the time this comes out, the new EP is called um, Nothing is Broken for Good. And I, I think that's a, a perfect point. I've gotten to listen to it two or three times all the way through now. Um, and that message of hope, I think, is very apparent through it. So I you know, definitely commend you guys on that, on being able to really take that message across the, the whole uh, album and really push it home. Cool. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. I think one of the biggest challenges for us is we wanted to write something hopeful without being cheesy. Right. And that was that was one of like, man, we we want to write something that's like, yeah, it's just really hopeful, like not like glib or flippant or something like that, but something that's like has a foundation of like joy. But but not cheesy. Yeah, because it hurts. Hundred percent hard, dude. Yeah, yeah, it's hard. Yeah, for sure. Um, so the the new single just dropped uh, a little over a week ago now, I think. Um, yep. Cement. So let's talk a little bit about that. Let Let's talk to fans about kind of, um, again, kind of the the story behind it, the mentality that went behind that song. Yeah, I think well, Zeke wrote. A lot of the lyrics mm -hmm. so you can explain kind of like where your mind was at I mean we, we definitely collab mm -hmm. uh, on on everything um, he and I are like the ones that get together the most probably to write the stuff but I do re like distinctly remember you having like just a notebook like he just had like filled that song out with lyrics pretty quick uh, yeah the that song I, I guess it's kind of it's about death just about um, losing a loved one and how um just coming face to face with your mortality makes you think about eternity and right. makes you think about like okay like wow i just 
lost someone really close to me, um, which almost everyone goes through. Um, some people go through it more than others, and people who haven't gone through it yet will probably go through it. And so it's something that we all like are faced with, but it's just about like being coming face to face with the reality of uh, just death and uh, what that what that causes you to face uh, after that, and just being eternity and um, kind of just coming to terms with um, where you stand um, in eternity and where you stand with your maker, with your creator. Um, but all of that, all of those questions that the song deals with are sparked by the death of a loved one. Um, and then the, the, the lyrics at the end are very much just uh, lyrics of, of hope in Christ and how yeah. we can hope in, in any eternal life after afterwards. So that's basically what it's about. You know? Yeah, awesome. Um, so with your uh, roots being around the Nashville area, um, you know, I, th- I don't think a lot of people, we didn't touch on this earlier, obviously, but um, I don't think a lot of people realize, you know, they think Nashville and immediately they go to like, Broadway Street and country bar after country bar and things like that. But there's actually a pretty pretty lively punk scene and, and kind of post-hardcore scene down there. Um, why don't you talk a little bit about kind of that duality, you know what I mean? Because there is so much country music and I, it's Nashville, right? That's the, sure. the heart of country music. Yeah, but yeah. being able to, to put your footprint as we're stepping outside of that, that box um, talk about that just a little bit. Sure. Yeah. Um, so I, I certainly grew up, uh, you know, in my formative years, like going to shows and, uh, our hardcore scene was like super awesome back in, in that, like probably 2009 to 2012, you know, yeah. basically through high school for me. And, uh, just like, the bands that were doing it at the time uh, were able to just like completely, you could have four uh, locals only and it would sell out like Rocket Town, which is like the, was the big venue in town. Yeah. Um, and yeah, they could sell it out. And so, you know, that has always kind of been in the DNA of Nashville, uh, even as far back as, you know, a decade or so ago. And like, um, I would say, you know, a lot of people might feel like we've lost that um, if you grew up here, but you know, just from us playing around uh, the last six years as a band, like that spirit of, of punk and underground is still very much a part of our town. Uh, yeah, there is Broadway, there is the honky tonks. Um, I bet you can kind of look at it like uh, I don't know, like that might be where the money is at, right. but. <laughs> Like if you want to be a, a you know a well-paid musician, like that's where you're gonna to want to play. Yeah. Um, but like the community and you know the the things that music does, it you know brings people together in a way that you know standing in a crowd, you know just observing a show, uh, like maybe at a country concert or or whatever, uh, it really lacks that interaction between the band and and, and the crowd, and so. Uh, there's a big venue, uh, well, I wouldn't say big, it's a house venue, uh, mm-hmm. called That 70s House, and uh, it's just for the last, at least since we've been a band, and, and a little bit before that, uh, has just kind of been the spot for, for 
touring acts yeah. coming through. Oh, yeah. Um, and just really maintaining that spirit of community uh, and, and inclusivity to people who are not interested in yeah. going downtown to the overcrowded street. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. So um, community is a, a good word for it. Um, part of the reason that, that my site is called You Make the Scene is for that same concept of, you know, every kid at the show is what makes that scene that much better or, you know, just helps with the energy. Yeah. Um, so, you know, within that, let's talk about kind of the the community and the, the scene growth, if you will, of, um, or energy, I guess, that your type of music, the post-hardcore punk, revival punk, as I'm calling it, um, you know, kind of how that compares to growing up around the country music. And like you said, it's a little more disconnected there. I think I, one, one way that I've heard it described, uh, actually by Josh Scoggin in the Chariot documentary, um, he, he said that the feeling that you have when you're in the middle of a show where everyone is just on the same page and is screaming all the words along with you is just camaraderie just feel like a camaraderie with everyone around you and I feel like that's one thing that you're not going to get at a country show at, mm-hmm. at an arena show that you're not going to get like like you would at like uh, you know a place like the end or that 70s house or something like that yeah I, and I think uh, that's like what really uh, caught our interest um, growing up I mean I do like country music uh, <laughs> yeah. you know some country music but like uh, I, you know, I've been to arena shows. I've been to larger club shows, and like, um, you just kind of like, I don't know. It, it almost feels like even if there is a lot of crowd participation, it almost feels more like, uh, like, like a karaoke bar type thing. Mm-hmm. Where it's you know, it's it's fun and and engaging, um, but it's not like performative the way that, that that hardcore and the music that we have tried to foster even within our own band has all been about the live show like even our own recordings like we were satisfied with how they turn out or you know they're they're fine um but it's never been about like just putting it out on a compact disc and like shipping it and that's it like not experiencing it beyond that and so uh it's just a matter of it clicking uh when you actually walk into your first underground show and like realizing like, Oh wow. Like music isn't just something to be consumed. It's something to participate in. Yeah. 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 And I, I would agree with that. You know, I grew up in the, the emo and punk and, and pop punk scene specifically. Um, and it, it definitely was different. My first, very first concert that I went to, Oh, man. It was something with my dad way back in the day. And he listened to, I want to say it was Journey. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like classic rock. And it was, I mean, it was fun because I was there with my dad and, yeah. and it was cool. Journey's not bad, you know. But then when I got a little older and it was me and a couple friends that were going to, you know, a hardcore show or a pop punk show, it was completely different just the way the crowd interacts and just like you said, the energy that, that comes and it, it feels much more, 
uh, inclusive and immersive, I think. Um, yeah. You know, those big stadium shows are great, and don't get me wrong, we'd all love the paychecks that come with playing those. Yeah, totally. <laughs> but, but, you know, if the crowd's not able to get into it as well, or, you know, you can't do what you want to do, is it worth, you know, that paycheck? Yeah. 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 What kind of bands did you go see back then? Oh, man. Um, I think my first, if I remember right, my first, like, kind of hole-in-the-wall show was uh, Amberlynn with Bayside. And it was at this little... Yeah, yeah. yeah, It was at this little venue in Indianapolis called the Emerson Theater. Uh, They just recently reopened. But way back in the day, it was a a single-screen movie theater. And they've gotten rid of all that and just put a stage up. And, you know... That's so cool, honestly. Yeah. I forget who else was with them, but it was definitely Amberlynn and Bayside to, to open. And I want to say maybe Switchfoot. Like, it was a weird lineup, but it wow. was super cool. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. Love it. Yeah. So um, jumping back onto the, the EP a little bit, like I said, I've listened to it a, a couple times now. Um, let's go ahead and talk about track number two, um, which is Empty House. Um, to me, you know, Cement's great and and all that, and I really mean that. But I, I think Empty House is, is kind of a hidden gem on that EP. I think it's got real potential as a single. Okay, sick, yeah. Round, well, okay, well, by the time that this comes out, Empty House is the second single. Oh, okay, yeah, <laughs> well, that's why. <laughs> um, and, yeah, so, very, yeah, yeah, you're very on point with that, because <laughs> that's exactly what the plan was to follow it up with Empty House. Yeah. Um, yeah, Empty House, uh, so it actually exists already. <laughs> uh, we, we, we were not planning on putting Empty House uh, on this record. Um, we love the idea of standalone singles, mm-hmm. uh, just as, you know, bands do it a lot whenever they actually put out a lot of content. Right. And so because we're not that band that puts out a lot of content, it like made sense to uh, at least consider putting it on this uh, EP. And then when the rest of the song started to come together, it just even made it more sense because the song really fits along with the theme of the record. Yeah. So yeah, Empty House is out there and there's a di- it's a different mix and everything, but like... Yeah, we re-recorded it for yeah, this EP. For this EP. Yeah. And so yeah, we're excited to get the, the newer, I think better sounding version yeah. out. So. And and people so people around here in Nashville have heard that song. I mean, we've been playing it for over a year, but you know, to the larger audience that um, Tooth and Nail has been able to provide us, uh, that's like going to be brand new to them. And I'm excited for another. Well, I was I was stoked when that song came out the first time, so it's kind of cool that we get to relive that again, right? Um, from a different perspective or different sound, right? Um, for people that maybe didn't catch that, let's talk a little bit about uh, signing to Tooth and Nail. How how cool is that? You know, especially in the genre that that you guys are. And I don't like to put people in boxes, but you know, Tooth and Nail has has always been one of those labels that really knows how to take a like an Emory or you know these post hardcore ish bands and just elevate them to the next level. Yeah. Uh... I mean, it's cool for all of us. Like, we, we all grew up listening to Tooth and Nail. JJ, who's not here right yeah. now. Um, it, 
it, like like I said, I started with Mayday Parade mm-hmm. and more on like the emo pop punk side of things. But uh, my first, I, the first heavy song I ever got into was because of JJ, our drummer. He showed it to me, and it was Danger Wild Man by the Devil Wears Prada. And yeah. I still remember hearing that for the first time. And uh, just grew up listening to Under Oath and, and Emery like we all did. And yeah, it's 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 a crazy and and even even for me, I just remember this. It, it goes it even goes further back because when I was like five or six, like I said, my dad was in a band mm-hmm. and they signed a, a record deal, so we moved down here. Um, and they were like a like a pop funk band, also in like the Christian realm. Yeah. Um, and so they would sometimes play Igthus or Cornerstone. And so I grew up going to those festivals. And going to those festivals, me and my brother um, developed a liking for a band called the OC Supertones. <laughs> and uh, which is so funny to me now because I don't like ska anymore, but right. when I was five or six, and I, we loved that band. And uh, yeah, if you would have told me when I was five or six, one day you're gonna be on the same label as OC Supertones, I I would have never believed you. So it's a crazy full circle thing. Oh, yeah. Same for her. Like, it, it was like, I mean, for me, uh, Under Oath, for a lot of people, like, that was the band. Right. And, and they were for me as well. Um, admittedly, they weren't my favorite once I got into the world. Like, I still loved them, and they were definitely, like, top five. But, like, uh, Norma Jean was, like, hmm. It like it always go back and forth between like Norma Jean and Me Without You, and those were like my favorite bands. And and now like I've landed in a place where Me Without You is still my favorite band. But uh, just like all of the like stories that you would hear about these bands, uh, and, and luckily also growing up in in that time period and being exposed to this music, it's also kind of when like YouTube started really mm-hmm. taking off, and so. Like, just seeing the, like, and you can still find these videos of, like, Me Without You or Prada or whoever, like, playing, like, the generator stage at, at Cornerstone mm-hmm. and it, it just being packed out for these bands. I don't know. There was just this, like, coolness to it, and I always wanted to be on Tooth & Nail. Like, that, of all the labels out there, like, that was the one. And... uh they were the only ones that really got back with us when we were shopping the record, so it worked out great. Well, I think that's, you know, uh, again, kind of the the signs that this is the right fit, you know? Um, believe it as divine intervention if you want, or just the stars lining up or whatever, but, um, you know, Tooth & Nail's been around for, what, 25, almost 30 years now at this point, it feels like, so... Um, 93 or 94, right? Something like that, yeah. Born in '94, so the yeah. longest I've been alive. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, that's that's quite a testament to them. There's not many um, indie labels, as as they get called, that yeah. have stuck around. It's them, Hopeless, Victory, kind of, you know, yeah. Razor and Tie went under um, or got bought out, whatever. Um, Fueled by Ramen's kind of in that same boat with Atlantic. Like the name exists, but they're not really who they were. Um, whereas I think Tooth and Nail has has always kind of stood tall. You know, they're very much their own entity, um, and and do extremely well at what they do. Yeah, yeah. No, it's a, it's super cool. I mean, we've been doing DIY for the last 
six years and there there will inevitably still be some of that and like that's cool and but like it even just you know getting linked up with you is like such a cool thing that we would have never had before so right. we're, we're super grateful i mean we really are for this opportunity and you know we're trying our best and i think that's always kind of been uh, we don't think we're like the best musicians in the world but we certainly like try and try to improve with every song we put out mm -hmm. so i mean you you can say that if you want but let's be honest as much as i love bayside anthony's voice is not a good voice <laughs> anthony renari is is not a great <laughs> clean singer um but you know it, it, it's one of those title is iconic yeah exactly um and i i think yeah. it's it goes back to kind of that camaraderie and and community within the scene like when you find people that feel the same way that you do and that music hits them right it doesn't matter about everything else man they're they're going to be there sure yeah sure. that's true yeah. i think we also have the perspective of like growing up here in nashville though where like everybody and their mom is a musician right and you know like for every really like, for every really good band there's 15 way better yep. bands yeah. you know yep so yeah i go up to chicago a lot so i i definitely feel you on yeah. that because chicago is the yeah. same way yeah um, so yeah, let's talk about kind of the DIY thing. Like you said, you, some of it you won't have to do quite as much now, uh, being on a label, but, um, how do you feel like doing it for so long, you know, six, seven years now, um, as a DIY project has prepared you for the, the next steps with a record label and kind of, you know, the ability to move the band forward? Uh, I mean, if nothing else, it's just given us work ethic i think mm -hmm. like there are a lot of things that weren't just handed to us we just had to like all right well if we want to do this we got to make it happen if we want to print t-shirts we got to come with the money to make it happen if we want to yeah. if we want to go on tour we got to book all the shows we got to do all the cold calls the cold emailing or whatever like make all the contacts like if we want to you know keep touring more we got to buy a van you know like yeah. so like we just we got so used to like no one's going to hand anything to us so we're just going to go out and get it ourselves. And if nothing else, that just made us, it, it's at least helped us develop more, well, being, being willing to work hard. And, yeah. And probably even like a knowledge of how things actually work. Yeah. Uh, I even have friends who uh, play in bands that like, they don't do it as they don't really tour or do much. And they'll, you know, their idea of, you know, it, to get, I don't know, sometimes you can get like a manager or something like way too early before you right. really need it. And uh, I've just seen a lot of people fall into that and that's just never been us. And, you know, he kind of touched on it with like, nobody's going to give us anything for free. Um, but we also kind of made it a point as a band to like, we're never going to really ask for anything either. Like, let's just do it. Um, and if we get on this show, it's, then it's because like they they wanted us to play it. Like it made sense. And there were a lot of shows that I honestly believe we, we should have played, you know, and we never did. And it, it is what it is. We just knew, okay, well then let's work harder and until we have felt like we earned it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I definitely agree with like just like work ethic, uh, but also like a better understanding of what's going on behind the scenes. Yeah. That a band who you know, writes the next big hit may not ever really understand because someone's going to do all that for them. Right. Also, also, I think just an appreciation for the DIY community. 
because yeah. as much as like man we did work hard it was also a mixture of us working hard and we met some amazing people Great. that were willing to that just wanted to help us um and take us out on the road with them or that were just willing to even something as small as just putting us up for a night or something yeah. like oh hey talk to this guy or you know, there's so many things right. that like we did work hard for it but also like we've had some amazing friends that helped us all yeah time, even so. like this whole thing kind of kick-started by uh the worst show we ever played <laughs> was in evansville indiana actually and we played Two Zeke's uncle, you know, kind of relating all the all the elements of yeah. what we talked about. We played Two Zeke's uncle, the sound guy, and like the owner and the, the owner of the venue, and like that was it. Uh, the yeah. band that played before us left, like after they played, all their friends left. All their friends left. <laughs> yeah. It was like that was it, and it's so deflating. And I remember leaving thinking like, man, I don't know if this is worth it, but I mean, we gave it our all, just like we always will. But from that. Uh, a band called Gaffer Project um, out of Roanoke, Virginia. They played, and the owner was like, hey, you guys would fit really well with this band. Well, Gaffer Project is like DIY kings, and they have a connection to, like, I mean, truly, it is through that band that we got plugged into the community that we were able to be a part of, and then eventually foster back home in Nashville ourselves. Uh, yeah, it just it snowballed from there because Gaffer Project first like longer tours yeah and it just snowballed and we got to know more people through them and yeah and they're very much is like it's like working hard knowing the right people you know divine intervention as well like it's just a mixture of all things that just kind of like lead you down this path but, but yeah 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 um so a couple things that i i want to touch on out of that is um for kids that are getting into a band and you know potentially want to want to pursue this um the amount of rejection that you guys go through you know what i mean like like you said tooth and nail is the only one that hit you back when it was time to shop this record talk about kind of what that does to you mentally and and what you have to do to kind of combat that or um change your approach or whatever you know what i mean like that's obviously a learning experience especially over the last five six years Totally. Uh, I think that uh, what comes to mind first is just uh, there has to be a balance of uh, being willing to uh, listen and refine what you're working on. Um, I mean, I'll say like our first EP that we put out that we took down because it wasn't good uh, really kind of shot us in the foot. and We had to like rebuild um, from Grown Tired that was kind of like a second chance and a lot of bands don't get second chances. So super grateful for that. Uh, but just like listening to, uh, criticism, um, in a constructive way and like actually taking that to heart, but, but also balancing that with like knowing your worth and knowing who you are and, uh, you know, believing in yourself even if nobody else does so there's like a a, a balance and i don't think that we ever we had a lot of people that believed in us from the start but uh it, it can be very easy to just give up if like it's not going the way that maybe you had set your standards maybe a little too high or, or whatever at the very beginning yeah definitely i think those moments of rejection definitely make you it forces you to ask yourself why you're doing it um and if that answer isn't you know for you know 
uh, if that answer as why you're doing it is to get others approval well then there there goes the reason to keep doing it you know yeah and if and you it, don't feel that rejection that crushing rejection at the beginning you will inevitably feel it later because uh -huh. it's going to happen at some point so yeah and so it just forces you to like okay why am i doing this okay I, i'm doing it because i love it you know if i love making music that speaks about something greater than myself i love singing and i love making uh just music that causes emotions to stir within me and i guess it doesn't really matter if other people feel the same way um as much as you want them to you're not you're not right. giving up on that goal either but that's not like what gets you what gets you up in the morning to keep going so uh yeah it just forces you to to remind yourself what's the bigger picture and why are you doing this so definitely <laughs> yeah awesome um one last of the last things that I want to touch on is you guys put on your own little festival every year. Um, tell fans kind of you know what what all that entails. Um, you know any any details you have about it, obviously for um, future plans with it. Now that you've got a little more potential, a little more work with uh, Tooth and Nail, so maybe a little more yeah. touring and whatnot. But um, talk about uh, it's called Threat Fest, right? Yes. Yeah, so yeah. go ahead. Okay. Uh, so Fest is a two-night DIY fest in uh, Smyrna, Tennessee, like where we're from. And um, it is all about uh, community. So we've talked about that throughout this podcast because that is something that like truly is at the forefront of our minds in almost any decision that we make, uh, whether it be uh, writing something that someone can identify with or even just printing a seamless, seemingly meaningless piece of merch, like to us, like there's still the thought of like, okay, well we can foster community through this. So uh, I briefly touched on like Nashville hardcore in the old days, right? Uh, and kind of where it is now. Uh, the, I would say the difference between the two uh, eras is that now uh, there are more pockets of genre that. Uh, aren't quite as you used to be able to go to a show uh, back in, in, in the mid 2000s and or late 2000s and, and it'd be like uh, like a hardcore band uh, there'd be like a pop punk band playing it mm -hmm. uh, it was just you know mixed genre builds right. and he was like this, as stoked as you were for the hardcore band you were also stoked for that pop punk band and there was just that sort of thing and so uh, it's not I don't want to say it's not like that anymore but it, it is not as prevalent as it was so Threat Fest came from this idea that we could achieve that again. Um, and that instead of being a competition as to who, you know, music can kind of be cutthroat. Yeah. So how about we like boost each other up, encourage each other, um, and put on this, this fest where we have lighter bands, we have heavier bands. Um, we still kind of divide them into two days, but there is crossover mm -hmm. and uh, a lot of times people that come to the first night come to the second night. So it's a two-day pass kind of thing that you can buy. Uh, we keep it real cheap. It's like 10 bucks a day or $15 for, for two days. That's always going to be the plan. That's what we're hoping for. Right. Um, and it, it started in a, a, an old train depot that uh, is still in Smyrna um, and has made its way across the street now to uh, another building, actually, uh, where I work. We own a building called Carpe Artista. And uh, 
as it's just all about the arts and, yeah. and changing culture through art. So, yeah, that's kind of what we do. We do it ourselves three stages, uh, and we set up, we tear down, and we have a lot of help, but uh, we do all the booking through uh, application generally. And is there anything I'm missing about it? No, yeah. I mean, really it fun. started off really humble. We were just like, hey, what if we threw a festival? And uh, we were just like, yeah, let's give it a shot. And then year year one went by, we were like, okay, yeah, let's do it again. Year two went by, and then it just kind of kept growing. Uh, more people started coming, and more people were being encouraging about it, and we were starting to realize that we were, we were fostering a community. And we were like, wow, we this is what this is about. This is what we want to keep doing. We want to foster yeah. community and encourage people in their in their art and their artistic endeavors. Yeah, we, what like you said, we don't want Threat Fest to be like a competition. Like right. we want to all come together as a community and just mm-hmm. encourage each other just just to keep keep doing what you're doing. Yeah, it's got a. It's so the, I, I will say the the difference between this fest and any other DIY fest that I have been to is that it's the focus is still on Nashville locals. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, because we do have just such a cool. On music city, like we have it everywhere, and right. it's it's really nice to to have that and be proud of that. Um, but we also do have touring bands come through. So usually, on I think there's about twenty to twenty five bands uh, per fest each year, and uh, we divide that again into two days. Um, yeah, and so and we try to get like a headliner mm-hmm. each night. Yeah, um, and we usually close the second night, and it's always fun and goofy and yeah we try to do something special every year yeah awesome um so that's pretty much everything i've got for you guys we'll we'll end with kind of two little more light-hearted questions or or off the wall questions so uh the first one's still going to be music related um if you could set up and you kind of do this every year i guess with uh with threat fest but let's say you get to set up a, a national tour and you get to take four bands out with you uh, whether you're the headliner or not from any era, who are you going to take out on a tour with you? <laughs> oh, man. So we're one of four? Uh, you would be number five, so you get to p- take four people oh, with you. Okay. Hmm. Yeah, I'd definitely take Gaffer Project with us. I'd pay him back. <laughs> we, owe them. We, we owe them forever. Uh, oh, man. I would take, um, man, that's such a hard question. Yeah. I haven't, don't take this as my forever answer, <laughs> right? but, uh, man, I'm just trying to think of the most influential bands in my life. Right. I probably made a parade the story so far, uh, Reliant K, oh, yeah. um, Jimmy Eat World is another big one. And uh, that's four. Yeah, wait, that's that right? you guys. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah, that's, yeah, 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 that's, that's probably it. Yeah. yeah, no more. Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, I definitely. Yeah, it, I would have Gaffer Project open the the, the show, um, and then I would have um, specifically. This is something I've always wanted was um, Seosin, but the self-titled record right. <laughs> with Coke and then play it all the way through. Yeah, so like that would be really awesome to see and see it every night. Right. Um, 
they have to play that record. They have to every play night. That, that, that record every night, <laughs> yeah. and then with a couple of the other hits. Yeah. Um, me without you. Yeah, I would definitely have me without you. Headline, and then uh, Queen. Yeah. Yeah. That's All right. That's good. We, got, we got Queen open. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Solid. Solid. Yeah. Uh, so the last one, just going to be kind of off the wall. Um, we're going to do your favorite TV show, and then what character would you replace with yourself in that show? Dude, I don't know. Oh, that's an easy one. For you? Yeah. Go for it. Uh, Breaking Bad is my <laughs> favorite show. <laughs> yeah, and I would be... I would replace myself. I, yeah, I guess with Jesse Pinkman. Solid. Yeah. Mm, I don't know. I have a lot of shows that I love that I don't watch as much anymore, but man, I, man, probably favorite ever. Actually, I can't pick favorite ever, but I'll pick one of my favorites. I'll, I'll say How I Met Your Mother and Ted Mosby. Probably. It's a super solid choice. <laughs> super solid choice. That's one of my favorite shows of all time, so I'm, I'm right there with you. Okay, we're, uh, I have to ask yeah. you, what did you think about the ending? So it, it made sense for the story, yeah. but I wasn't happy about it. <laughs> Dang, same. I do exactly the same. Like, Ted and Robin had tried it so many times and yep. it clearly didn't work. Just leave it. Just let it be alone. Just let him be with the mom. The mom was great. Anyways, yeah. sorry. But no, no, you're fine. And then, like, even if you're going to end it with her dying, like, if somebody hasn't seen the show, sorry for the spoiler, but, uh, <laughs> you know, you're going to end it with her dying, fine. But, like, why would you go back to Robin after all that shit she put exactly. you through, dude? <laughs> exactly. It's insane. Okay. Um, I saw a funny meme the other day about it that said, uh, we're going to take a 15-minute story and stretch it out into nine seasons. Dude, for real, yeah. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Should have been such a quick story. Like, yeah, I met your mom here. Done. <laughs> yeah. It's okay. I loved it, though. Yeah. Yeah, it, it was a great show. I think it was a great cast. And, you know, obviously yeah, all those guys have, have went out and done amazing things since. So, um, yeah. That's all I've got for you guys, man. I, I appreciate it. Um, like I said, we'll we'll have this up just a few days before the record drops and everything, and we'll be sure to be uh, blasting your stuff as much as we can. Sweet, cool, man. Sweet. We really appreciate yeah. this yeah, a lot. Thank you so much. Yeah. yeah, not a problem, guys. Hopefully, uh, you know, COVID will go away soon, and shows can start back up, and we'll we'll link up somewhere. Yeah, yeah totally. So. Awesome. So. Awesome, guys. Appreciate it. Uh -huh. All right. Nice, meet you, Josh. nice meeting you. And that was my conversation with Idol Threat. They are based out of Nashville, Tennessee. So if you're down in that area, uh, definitely keep your eye out for shows as soon as those are available. Um, obviously, like we talked about in the, the interview, you know, the guys definitely want to get back on the road and, um, you know, play shows. That's, that's what they love to do. And it's easy to see that in their music as well. The new EP drops on August the 20th. It is called nothing is broken for good. Um, I think it's a great message. We kind of talked about it there in the, the episode a little bit as well. Um, I just think that's a great reminder that, you know, just 
because things seem bad or bleak or, you know, that you're down on your luck or whatever, that nothing is broken forever. Um, nothing is broken for good. You know, the EP title, wink, wink. Um, definitely think you guys should check it out. They've got a new single out called Cement. Um, and that is available everywhere that you would normally stream your music or download your music. Um, so definitely go check that out. Follow the guys on all their different social medias. Um, I've got those linked in the uh, description of the podcast, as well as if you jump over to the website, we'll have them there as well. Um, we've got some new merch getting ready to drop, so keep your eyes out for that. We're doing a, a very small collection. Um, you know, again, COVID messed up everybody's plans for this year, man. And we had some really good ideas that we had to back off of. Um, but we definitely wanted to put some new merch out. So that will be up in the shop very, very soon. Make sure you follow all of our social medias to stay up to date on that. Um, and, you know, hope you guys enjoy the, the collection that we're going to drop. Um, and yeah, make sure you, you like and share and follow the, the podcast. Uh, give us a rating. All that stuff helps elevate us in the rating systems um, as well as, you know, makes us more discoverable, if you will, um, through Spotify, Apple, Google, all of those. Um, and that also allows us to um, potentially get the bigger and better bands that you're, you're looking for. Um, you know, I think we've had some great artists on here and I think there's some very underrated artists that we've been able to talk to. And obviously we know that some of you guys would like us to talk to more mainstream artists or, you know, artists of a specific genre, things like that. Shoot us a message, drop us a comment, things like that. Let us know who you want us to, to try to talk to and we'll see if we can make it work. But, you know, the more that the podcast ranks higher and higher or the website's getting more and more traction. Um, you know, those things play factors in all of that. So the more you like and share stuff, the the more likely it is that we'll be able to land an interview with a band that you're you're interested interested in us uh, talking to. For now though, guys, let's take it out with Cement by Idle Threat. Remember guys, take care of yourselves, take care of each other. And you make the scene.